him. Amen. Father, we call upon you as our help at all times. Amen. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to know he's there. So uh, today I thought we'd talk about the fact that it is better to trust in God. Amen. It's better to trust in God. Praise God. (laughs) Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give you thanks, glory, and honor. Thank you, Lord, for the for the position that you've given us, that we are in the family of God and the household of faith. We are accepted in the beloved of God. So we love you, Lord. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. So if you'll turn to Psalm 118, I think we'll start there. and We're going to talk about what it means to trust, what it means to understand, and what it means to come into the presence of God with thanksgiving and with praise and with honor and with glory. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. Once you get into the presence of God, if you are there by uh, invitation, amen, and by right, you're there because God has placed you there so that you can have fellowship with him, so that you can get your needs met, so that you can get to know him, you can get to know how he responds, all of that. And so it's a great thing to come into the presence of God, but it's also a greater thing to get to know his ways. Amen? The Bible says that the children of Israel knew God's acts. In other words, you can you can know somebody by what they do. But Moses knew his ways. Amen. And so knowing somebody's actions or knowing their acts is one aspect of a knowledge. But in order to understand his ways, you have to study that person. You have to spend time with them. You have to really get to know them in more than a, an activity and superficial level. So you can say that the children of Israel knew what it was to receive from the hand of God. But Moses knew the heart of God. He really, really did. Amen. Come on, sit down. Yeah, he knew the heart of God. He knew what God had in mind. He, God was able to share his plans with Moses. He was able to take Moses beyond just the superficial knowledge of what he was able to do. And it's important that we know the difference. Because you know and I know that there are people out here besides the Holy Spirit with supernatural power that can do supernatural things. People can manipulate you very easily with actions and acts. There are people who can can uh, uh, feed people, can provide for people, all of that. Their actions can come from a lot of different places. But to understand God, somebody's ways, that's something that it takes intimate knowledge. They have to open that knowledge up to you. They have to be willing to share with you. They have to be willing to take you on beyond the visible. It's wonderful to come into the mind of a person and, and to share their thoughts. You can really get to know them. You know, some people are very guarded and won't tell you a whole lot. Uh, and it's a privilege to, to go beyond the superficial and really get to know people. You know, when we were first saved, uh, uh, most of you started out like this. Uh, we would always share our testimony because that would let you in beyond what you see. 
Uh, when you come into a meeting, you got to understand how did that person really get here? How did they get to know God? What brought them into the kingdom? What brought them to this place at this time that I would be sharing this day with them or, or this, this meeting with them, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was, it was customary for us to get to know one another, so to speak, by the Spirit first, amen, or as well as knowing one another in the natural. There would be some some women sitting there, what I I called them the little old ladies. Of course, I'm I'm one of that number now, you know what I'm talking about? But anyway, uh, you know, you would see the sweet little grandmotherly looking lady sitting there and she'd get him give a testimony go huh you did that you know what I'm saying <laughs> thank God you're saved you know I wouldn't want to run into you back in the day you know that kind of stuff but uh, it, it's amazing sometimes the things that we find out when we get to know people's ways we get to know what's in their heart we get to know their mind etc etc and so that's what we're doing uh, as believers when we share the word of God, when we sit and listen to a sermon or we listen to a teaching or something like that, we are getting to know God's ways and getting to understand his ways. Why do we want to do that? So that we can be feel a closeness to him. So we can get rid of that distance. We can get rid of that wall, that barrier. We can get rid of that fear that everybody gets into. You know, we decide we want to believe God for something. The first thing that will hit you is fear. Well, fear is a spirit. And God didn't give it to it. It doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean you're scared of God. And it doesn't mean you don't think God will give you something. But if you keep listening to fear, it will convince you of something other than God's word. It will convince you of something other than God's truth. Yeah. Okay. It will convince you of something other than God's truth. So when we start to to try and put together what's going on in God's kingdom, we start to understand God's kingdom. When we start to believe God for certain things, then we uh, can, can come into a realization that God is for us. Amen. That's the first thing we need to understand about God, that he is for us. He is not against us. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent or have to uh, change his mind about anything. Once his mind is made up, he's perfectly capable of carrying out what he is thinking he wants to do. And so when we understand that and we when we come into a full realization of who God is and, and what he's capable of doing, then we can kind of rest in God and, and, and trust him and relax. But but if we don't trust God, my my encouragement to you is to continue to learn about him and you'll learn that he's trustworthy. Amen. The Bible says that that Sarah received the power to conceive when she was beyond her years. Why? Just because she changed her mind about God. She decided that he was faithful. She considered him faithful. Amen. She considered him to be a person who was trustworthy. He was worthy of her trust. He was worthy of her time. He was worthy of her putting her confidence in him. And that's all we have to do. We have to make the same decision that God is worthy of our trust, that he is worthy of our uh, ability 
to to give our our confidence over to him and to take our confidence out of whatever else we are trying to put our confidence in. So Psalm 118 and verse 8, it says here, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Amen. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord, verse 9, than to put confidence in princes. So anybody and anything that we will exalt above God, we will find, like we always find, that those sources fail us. Think about it. If there's a person that you can trust with something today and then tomorrow they disappoint you, wouldn't you rather put your trust in somebody that you can count on all the time? And so many times, we and we don't realize it sometimes, we transfer our trust out of God into people. Sometimes you'll meet somebody that, that kind of captures your attention or, or seems to have a lot going for them. And pretty soon you're kind of hanging on their every word and, and wanting to uh, have fellowship with them, keep company with them, etc., etc. And so when we, we see ourselves doing that, kind of drifting away from the confidence of God, allow God to just bring you back to trusting in him and him alone. Amen. Because you will find that every other source will fail you. Because people are weak. I mean, I don't care how much influence and power that person has. Uh, you're, you're going to see many, many people that we, we, th- we think are powerful fail. You know, the Bible says, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Amen. When King Saul was killed and he had chased David for over 20 years, it seems, and the, and the word close to 20 years he chased him. Uh, he, he, when he died that day, that was David's lament. He said, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Amen. Because when you're not on God's side, you're going to fall anyway. I don't care how much power you have, how many people you can influence, amen, we're going to see that in this country, we've we've uncovered a bunch of people high up in our government who are not honest people, amen, they're just not truthful people, and so we're going to see these people come down, amen, because they have no no right to be in high positions if they're not going to be trustworthy, so God takes care of that stuff too, amen, and he will do what he has to do to make things right for all people. He wants it to be right for everybody. So the word trust really means to take refuge. (laughs) You know, Um, when you think about it, when you think about what does trust really mean to you? Trust really means that you're up against something perhaps that's bigger than you are. And you need a place to take refuge. You need somebody that you can call on who can protect you who can come to your aid, who can fight for you, he can make a way for you, remove obstacles for you. So trust really is a big word that encompasses many things that we might need in life. The word trust really means is the the implication is that you want to put your hope in something or someone. So to trust really means to hope that 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 is the right position for you, that that person will come through for you, that that thing will happen for you when you put your trust there. It means to give away all control. You know, we we think sometimes that we're trusting God, and then we look around, we got our bets hedged and all 
kinds of different places. Amen. <laughs> Edging your bets. I know I used to, I thought I'd call myself a gambler when, you know, when I was in the world, my husband and I would go and, and gamble sometimes. We always went to Las Vegas. We didn't go to no cheap crap hall in somebody's basement. Amen. We went to high class places to give our money away. <laughs> give our money away. And the free drinks, you know, we thought we were really, but I would try to hedge my bets. I would make a bet and then I see another one that looked Oh, I should do that too, because if I don't get this, I'll get that. And my husband said, give me them chips. <laughs> Number one, he would go all the way to the other end of the table and pretend like he wasn't with me. You know what I'm saying? What's, up, what's that about? You know, like in the movies, like the James Bond movie. You know, that's the way I thought of myself. Here's the Bond woman stepping into the casino. Huh? And he said, no, go down there. Don't stand next to me. <laughs> Do I look like a jinx all of a sudden? What's up with that? And then he would take my chips. Of, no, you just you just shoot. Every time I tell you to, when I do that, you just throw them out there, okay? And so that's, that's how we lived. But hedging your bets was always for suckers. That's what he finally told me. He said, if you go put some money down, be all in. Amen. And so if we are going to trust God, we must be all in. You can't trust him with your health and not trust him with your money. You got to be all in. You can't trust him with your health and your money and then not trust him in your marriage and with your children. You have to be all in. You got me? And so when you put your trust, it's you release all control over that thing you say God and it's not like you are throwing away your garbage to him like you don't care about these things these are things you care about dearly in fact the things you care about the most you should trust him with first but we seldom do it that way do we uh, we go a little backwards amen and he loves us anyway so we trust we take refuge we put our hope in it and we give away all control. Amen. To trust really means to be secure. You don't trust God and be nervous, folks. You trust him to your security. And I'll tell you a little secret. If you don't really get peace about what you're doing in God, just pray in the spirit and stay in the word until you get peace. That's how you really trust him. You get in that Bible and you start reading more about him. You fill your heart and your mind with scriptures that, that build up, that bolster your confidence. Don't sit there and let your brain mess with you and tell you, well, God's not going to do this because you did that. He's not going to do this. <laughs> Wait a minute, Mr. Devil. Uh, let me tell you what else I did. And he's still going to do it for me. Amen. Because I have confessed my sins and he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. I'm righteous now. I'm not that dirty person you keep telling me I am. So when you stand righteous before God, the Bible says there's no penalty against you. There's no law. There's nothing being held against you. So you can just sail right on in there, expect God to do it, and pimp on home and take you a nap or something. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be all right. Amen. Uh, it, it also means to trust means to have responsibility, to be steady, to be confident, and to be hopeful. Amen. And to be hopeful. 
Um, there's a famous quote by, I think Abraham Lincoln was the first one to speak it. He said, it's better to trust and be disappointed occasionally than to never trust and be miserable all the time. So see, you see an aspect of hope in trust. Because once you put your trust over in somebody who's trustworthy, you start hoping for things to get better. Just sitting here doing your thing, things never get better for you. But then when you start to put your hope and your confidence and your trust in someone, you automatically brighten up. You know, it's like it's a load that comes off of you. So, boy, that was... That was tough for a minute, but I, I, I'm, I'm trusting God with this. You know, I really am. I was looking at the cocoa last night, and I told Pastor Shirley, I said, our little cocoa was looking rough this weekend. She, I don't know what's happened, but her coat is starting to thin, but we heal. You know, I keep her little healing cloth around her collar. And so I was, I was thinking about it last night. I said, Lord, I said, I really want to pray for her. I said, I want her better before I have to leave her here by herself tomorrow. You know, she was lethargic and sleeping all the time. And then she has some cough and I'm going, what is wrong with my little dog? And so I decided, I said, Lord, I'm going to sit here and pray for her until she's better, till she's healed. And it took a little bit, but I did it. And I noticed that she, about midnight, she perked right up. And start looking for some food. <laughs> my girl got to have her meats and her treats. Amen. So there she was all perked up looking for her food again. The cough was gone. Amen. And she was looking more like herself. And so I was thinking about it. I said, God, if that's all it takes for me to hand things over to you. You understand what I'm saying? Once you get through it and you do it, you realize this much that whenever you have to pray, what they, the old people say, pray through on stuff, whenever you have to pray until you know it's done, the Holy Spirit helps you so much. You know what I'm saying? You don't realize how much time it took or sit there and watch the clock or something. When God is with you, he has already taken the burden part of it off of you. You know, he's there for you to lean upon and for you to know that you can trust him. That is so important for us to step out to trust God and then let him prove himself that he's trustworthy. He wants to prove himself to us. Amen. So sometimes you might feel disappointed, but God will always give you what you ask for if you continue to hold on. Don't let disappointment be your final answer. Don't let that feeling of being let down be what you take away from the whole experience. Amen? You know what? It's like the, remember the, the woman that had the little girl? Uh, that was sick and she wanted an okay from Jesus that he was <clears throat> going to heal her. And so he, he kept sending her away and sending her away. She said, you know what? I might be a dog, but I can get some crumbs from under the table. You heal my girl. You heal everybody else. You better heal me. You understand what I'm saying? She, she was packing when she came. She brought her faith with her. She brought her determination with her. And she put her trust and confidence over in him. She might have had to do it several times to get it all over in there. But she was able to put her final confidence over in God. And Jesus told her, he said, mm, for that saying... <laughs> Go on with your bad self. You understand what I'm saying? God likes it when we are determined. He likes it when we show that we have confidence in him and that he is the one that we are trusting and we're not trusting in plan 
B or plan C or number two or number three. We're trusting in number one 100%. So God wants us to have that hope and that confidence that comes with trusting in him. Trusting in God should build you up and not make you feeble. Whenever you put your confidence in somebody stronger than you, you take on their strength. So then confidence in God builds you up. It doesn't make you whiny and wimpy and scared of everything. It makes you confident and bold. And see, that's when you know you hit the nail on the head because then all the demons will start whining and crying and tell you who you think you are. Amen. Or you're arrogant or you're this. That's when the accusations start. When you have your confidence in God and they can't pull you out of it, then they go back for round two to see if they can get to shame you out of where you are. Huh? That's why the Bible says it's better to put, see, no matter what the devil's people call you, it's better to put your confidence in God to trust in what they're trusting in. Because whatever they're trusting in, if it's not God, it's going to fail them. Trust me. And so when you put your confidence in God, yeah, people are going to, people misunderstand things, but I think they do it on purpose because they can't quite grasp it. They can't pull you out of it. People, misery likes company. You know, people like weak people like other weak people so they don't ever feel challenged by anything. You know, uh, this is what happened to Noah. The reason we're here today is because a man named Noah did not bow to pressure around him. He made the pressure bow to him. The Bible says Noah's faith passed judgment on the whole earth. He left everybody else here except for him and his family. And they probably had opportunity to get right and go in that ark with him because that was a big boat. And it wasn't big just because of all the animals. There was plenty room for more people. And they could see hope being built right in front of them. But instead of putting their trust in God and say, okay, well, I know it's a one-way ticket. And I don't know where we're going to wind after, up after that. But put me on there because I'm not going to perish with these crazy people. Amen. I'm coming out of that. I'm getting over it with the people of faith. And so when when they started to understand what was going on, it was too late to change their minds. See, when the rain starts and the water starts rising and the boat starts floating, it's too late to change your mind about what you thought about all the time. You see what I'm saying? And so there will be a time where your mercy for God talking to you and talking to you over and over and over again will run out. Amen? But... Stay with God. Amen. I don't believe that's going to happen to anybody here. But God will take care of us if we continue to believe. Amen. We must continue with God. You can't just try him and until you get some bills paid and then go off and, and leave, live the way you want to live. Once you accept God's power to work in your life, then you're obligated to work for him. It's just, just like when Jesus said, I give you keys to the kingdom. Amen. If, if you work for General Motors and they give you keys to your office at GM, you can't take them keys over to Chrysler and use them. They only work at GM. 
So when if God gives you keys and gives you power and gives you authority, only works in his kingdom. Amen. So it's to keep you here, to keep you committed to him, because not only does he want to prove himself to you once, he wants to prove himself to you every single day. There is an everyday proving that God will do for us if we will stay with him. In the relationship, he just wants a stronger relationship with us. He wants us to get to know him more. Certain things we know about him. Like when we get born again, we know him as our savior. Amen. The one who saved us from our sins. But what does that mean in everyday living? That means you're going to have to be saved from your sins again. Because you're going to be tempted again. You're going to have to be saved over and over and over again. So you need to know him as savior and then start to know him as Lord. God, if you were my Lord, I wouldn't have to get in trouble every time, every other day. And start crying out for you. I could walk in a way that I could avoid a lot of trouble. I could walk in a a holy manner so that I'm not the one who's always needing to be bailed out, et cetera, and et cetera. And so when we understand totally who God is, and he wants us to understand that now, he wants to reveal so much more about himself to us. Amen. He wants to reveal himself to us in a great, great way. And so we understand that about God, that we can relax and rest in hope. Amen. We can rest in hope. Amen. Okay, so Jeremiah 17, we'll turn there. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah said, Jeremiah (laughs) said. I think about a little Howard when I hear that Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 and 6. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. In other words, you make flesh your strength, your words, your money, your power, your manipulation. And whose heart departs from the Lord. And, and so in other words, uh, you're, you're, you know, sometimes you'll feel under pressure and you'll do certain things. You, you just reach out in a panic and do certain things. And then you feel convicted because you say, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. I should have waited on God. See, that's not who he's talking about. He said the one whose heart has turned away from God. So when your heart turns away from God, you don't want him with input in your life, you just, you know, hey, I'm doing better without all of that. You know, when I was in church, they made me bring my money. They made me pray. See, when you have that, somebody's making you do stuff all the time, it shows that your heart has really not been converted to love God. Amen? Because people who love God do it willingly. Amen. They they brought the willing offering. Remember that the people of Mo God told them to to take an offering from the people and let them bring it willingly. Amen. Now, where did that offering come from? If you think about where, what what that offering was, that was the money God gave them when they left Egypt. So it was never theirs to begin with, but God wanted to see how willing we are. To, to give a portion of what we consider to be ours to him. 
And they say, uh, the Bible says that they brought so much stuff, Moses had to stop them from giving. Amen? Can you imagine such a thing? Huh? In the church now? <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. Now, that some people get buku money like that, but they ain't preaching my message. You understand? <laughs> you know, when you preach to everyday people and you tell them they got to pray just to make it today. Huh? All of that kind of stuff. I mean, come on now. This is work right here. So you're not going to find a whole lot of people want to come. Oh, you mean that's all you get to do is just pray all the time? I said, well, this ain't for you. It's not for everybody. It really isn't. But you know it's not for certain people because they think a church is some place to come and, and play. That's right. Huh? Yeah. Where the men's is at? Where the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Huh? <laughs> so, <clears throat> cursed is the man who does not trust in God. Amen. Makes his flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord, well, he will be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes. Amen. But shall inhabit the parched places in, wilderness, in the wilderness and in a salt land and not inhabit it. You know, they put salt when, when people wanted to curse the land so it didn't produce, like when, when uh, a nation would overtake another a, a nation. They would pour salt over the earth and plow it down into the earth so that the, the earth would not produce crop anymore. And so when, when the, there was salt in the ground, the earth was not able to bring forth. And so uh, what God is saying is that if you continue to trust in yourself and not let your heart be changed toward him, he said that's what everything that you set your hand to is going to be cursed just like putting salt in the earth. None of your seed is going to bring forth any fruit. None of it is going to help you because it is it is cursed because you're trusting in the arm of flesh and not trusting in God. God's laws made it impossible for people to succeed without trusting him. Amen. Just made it impossible for you to succeed without trusting him. There was a built-in trust. For instance, if, if you planted crops, if you wanted those crops to prosper, you had to every year bring a tenth of your produce to God or it would not go well for you the succeeding year. So you couldn't cheat on it. When you saw a famine hit Israel, usually the priesthood had quit because the priest can't function if you don't bring them food. Amen. It's just they, there's no way for them to exist. So the priests got scattered. They had to go get a nine to five. And and in back in that day and age, you hired somebody out out who was obeying the laws of God. And if the whole nation got backslid, you had to go to strangers. You know, you can always go down to Egypt because them people knew how to hold on to their land. And you could always get a job on somebody's farm down in Egypt. And that's what they did. And so in, instead of trusting God, getting back to the worship, getting back to the service, getting back to the giving that they were prescribed to do, if they started to cheat, you eventually saw that whole nation backslide. Pretty soon they had no representatives to minister for them before the Lord. Because not everybody could just get up and pray. 
You had to go through a priesthood. And so God intended for his system to remain intact. Not little fragments of it here and fragments of it there, but he wanted the whole system to remain intact. And so God over and over and over again sent them warning and over and over and over again they continued to slip away from trusting God. But God promised to bring them back if they would continue to trust in him. Isaiah 12 verse 2 Verse 1, and in that day you shall say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comforted me. So God won't be mad. In fact, he's not mad at us now. You know, this was old covenant and the laws were different. They were more stringent. But there was also great mercy under the old covenant too. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of, of salvation. And so when you know that you, tr- that you can trust in God, that takes all the fear out of your life. I mean, it really does. If you find yourself getting in fear, you can always faith your way, pray your way, get in the word your way back over into peace and safety. Amen. Because the enemy wants all the time to get our attention with things that that make us insecure, kind of take us um take us off our you know take us off guard catch us off guard and so he is constantly trying things with us to see if he can put us over in his camp where we'll start to look and grope for things in darkness that can help us but when you call on the name of jesus you call on the name of the lord and he shows up in your situation and you realize you can trust and not be afraid you won't fear what man can do to you you won't fear what the enemy can do you won't fear all of these things because you know that you can trust and not be afraid you won't be afraid of what man can do uh, and you won't be afraid of the arm of flesh so it says here he he was angry for a while but he's not anymore so you can trust and not be afraid the bible says god is his anger only lasts for a short time but his mercy and everlasting kindness are forever. Amen. So if you can know anything about God, he will be merciful forever. But his anger doesn't outlive that. So if your concept of God is that there's something wrong with your relationship, then you've got to change that. You've got to change that because that does not line up with the word. Amen. Even when you're doing wrong and you don't repent, God's not mad at you anymore think he's mad at you because you don't say i'm sorry get real he's trying to draw you back to him and show you hey it ain't that serious i took care of serious at calvary you know serious was named to nailed to the tree along with everything else 
And so when we understand God and we understand this is why we we read the word. This is why we study the word. This is why we get together twice a week to hear, uh, I don't know what Pastor Bob going to talk about this time. Well, just come in and show up. Slide under the door if you have to. You know, some people... You're in such a low mood, you can't even hold your head up good. You know what I'm saying? If you gotta have somebody help you hold your head up, get in here. Amen. So you can hear what God has to say to you. That's why we do this. You don't think God understands that you sit up and watch TV six days a week? Huh? Some of y'all can't wait to get home from here so you can go flip something off. The, is Dancing with the Stars still on? Huh? All them, uh, the voice. Uh, I gotta dance, you gotta dance, all God's children gotta dance. Huh? All them things people sit up and wait until the time. And I, I'm thinking to myself, don't they play reruns? Now come on, they rerun everything on television, on cable. But you know, we break our necks because the worldly things. And we learn how to get pleasure out of the world only. God's trying to teach us how to get pleasure out of relationship with Him. Amen. Just get comfortable with him as your father. Amen. Proverbs 3, I think it's 3, 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto you with all of your heart. Don't have anything in your heart that you don't give over to him. That's a sure way to lose it. Amen. People will, you know, oh, I just, yeah, I want to ask God to do this and do why not? He'll help you. He'll make it better. Whatever it is you entrust to him will always be better. Amen? Amen. So Jeremiah 17 said, Curses is the man who does not trust in God. Amen? Uh, Isaiah 12.2, I will trust and I will not be afraid. So really, trust is your um, resistance, that's how you resist fear, is to put your trust in God. Amen? Whatever it is that the enemy keeps attacking you with fear on, he brings those fearful thoughts to your mind. Give that thing over to God. Amen? You know what, God? I'm going to wise up. I'm going to stop trying to protect myself and protect this from the devil and protect this and that. I'm going to put it over in your hands and get rid of this fear. Amen. Fear torments people. And we're not, if you're saved, you are not slated for torment. Which means that you are not to receive fear at any time. I don't care what it is that comes against you. God is bigger. You stay in the word until God is bigger than whatever that else that is that you're afraid of. You stay in the word until you get there. Because you'll get there. You just have to get your focus back on God. Amen. In Numbers 23 is one of my favorite stories about the blessing of God. This was even under the Old Covenant. And this is the story of Balaam and Balak. Numbers 23. Let's see where I want to start with that. In verse... Eleven and Balak said to Balaam, "What have you done to me? I took I, I took you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have blessed them." Huh? In other words, I paid you to curse these people for me, and you to mess around and bless them. 
Verse 12, and he answered and said, must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord has put in my mouth? In other words, I can't fix my mouth to say anything different other than what God's put in there. And Balak said to him, come, I pray thee with me to another place from whence you may see them. You shall see but the utmost part of them. And, and you shall not see them all and curse them. In other words, I'm going to bring you into a place where your perspective changes. In other words, you ever, you ever, um, notice how in some atmospheres it's easier to prophesy than others? I mean, you just see prophecy come very easily out of the mouths of people. Well, well, Balaam, was in that atmosphere. He carried the atmosphere. So Balak said, well, maybe if I bring you closer to where the enemy is stronger, you'll get a word from the enemy. In other words, people know how this stuff works. They know that you have to be in the presence of God. You have to be in a strong presence of God in order for the Spirit of God to work. Unless God puts a stronger anointing on you. Huh? And so he said, and Balak said to him, come, I pray thee with me to another place. In verse 14, and he brought him into the field of Zophim to the top of Pisgah and built seven altars and offered a bullock and a ram. In other words, he's calling on another God by which he can make a prophecy. And he said to Balak, stand here by thy burnt offering while I meet the Lord over there. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth that said, Go again to Balak and say this. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said to him, So what's the Lord telling you? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Amen? So when God blesses you, it's irreversible. Once he has spoken that out of his mouth, you are a blessed person. Don't be the last person to figure that out. Just accept that by faith right now and know that God has blessed you because the blood of Jesus has paid for your life. So God has blessed you and it cannot be reversed. In other words, you can walk around here and think you're a nothing and a nobody if you want to, but the blessing of God is on you. Amen. You're blessed anyway. Amen. You cannot curse what God has blessed. To trust means to let go of doubting God's love or his ability to deliver on his promises or to help us through difficult times. So God is well able to do anything that it takes in your life for that blessing to manifest. It's up to God to take care of that. See, what we think is it's up to us to prove to God that we're good enough for him to bless us. We should know better by now. Huh? We should know better by now. Most of the blessings we get, we couldn't tell you in a million years how it got. Now, I don't know where that came from. I, I remember praying somewhat and something and a little bit here, a little bit there. It was so funny I had 
when I first moved to Detroit, uh, our realtor, uh, um, I, I sent somebody, I think it was Nola. No, I think Nola was still my prayer partner. We've been prayer partners in Cleveland, so we're still prayer partners. And I sent her a picture of the house that we, we were purchasing. And it happened to have the realtor's car in the driveway and my husband's car beside. It was two Cadillacs. And so Nola said, oh, his and her Cadillacs. Let's pray for you to get his and her Cadillacs. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, really? yeah, where did his and her money come from? That's the first thing your mind does. And I'm thinking, she think I'm going to put that in, in two of them in my garage when my husband got to buy them? Seriously? <laughs> Unless you can get them at the Salvation Army. I don't think so. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so I said, oh, okay, <laughs> far be it from me. <laughs> and so sure enough, in less than, what, a couple of years, I think it was, we both had one. And so you, you have to really understand that once you are blessed, you are blessed. Even if you don't know it yet, you are blessed. So you cannot curse what, what God's blessed. Balaam said, I can't help but speak. Listen, God already forced me to bless these people I've opened my mouth and said it and God can't lie he's not a man and he will not change his mind once it's spoken he's going to do it amen so God was able to to bless Israel and bring them out of of that difficulty even though they were uh, the enemy was trying to put a curse on them because of who their God was the more power you have, the more supernatural the enemy goes to try and defeat you. Amen? So the enemy will try the supernatural on a Christian. Amen? <clears throat> because many times we live in, and I'm talking about Christians who really live in the spirit. I'm not talking about these people who, you know, do all kinds of ungodly things and claim they love the Lord. I'm not talking about people who live halfway in and halfway out. But I'm talking about people who really understand the realm of the spirit. He will use spiritual maneuvers to try and push you out of the realm of blessing of God. Amen. Psalm 23 tells you that though you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. There are some difficult places to tread in this lifetime. That we will have to walk through. Notice the operative word is through. You're not going to stay there. Amen. You're just passing through. I remember when, when my husband passed away and I kept telling God, I said, God, I know this is going to be over at some time, but please let it be over soon. And one day soon was here, you know, before I even realized it. The grief had left. A lot of that had left and God had begun to heal my heart and begin to heal my memories. And so it's very important to understand that wherever you are, if it's unpleasant, you will not be there forever. That is not the place where God, that's not what God promised you. He promised you you were passing through it. But even though at the time that you're going through, you won't fear evil. Amen. You'll know that God is with you. So God's presence in a trial can be stronger than the enemy's forces that are arrayed against you. You just have to let God have these things and put your trust totally in him. So though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
God is with you. So remember, we trust God to bring us out of difficulty. Amen. Even though you might have to stay in for a season, you can be in there and not smell like smoke. First thing you need to do is quit complaining about where you are. Hello. Complaining only prolongs it and intensifies the negative feelings about your situation. Complaining never helps anything. Really, complaining is is an expression of your lack of trust in God. Amen? It really is. Like, you can't have difficulties, too. You can, just like everybody else. Amen? But, But he knows how to deliver the righteous. Just depend on your righteousness to speak for you. Always let righteousness talk to you, through you. Uh, begin to exalt the Lord. Begin to thank him for bringing you out. Begin to thank him for the fact that this will not last forever. Amen. That he's a God of endurance and he will cause you to endure every single hardship as you trust in him. Trust and knowledge of God to seem to be now at an all-time low. And this is one of the things that we have to remember as believers, that God, his name is a refuge and a high tower for us. We see so much stuff going on in the natural, and we see that trust in God is is at a minimum. We are living now in the fruit of several generations that has taken God out of the marketplace, taken him out of schools, taking him really out of churches. You see many of these uh, churches now, they're built on entertainment. You know, they, they really want to entertain the people. You see many preachers stand up in front in a pulpit and never open the Bible. And that's just not right. Amen. That, that, that Bible should be the standard of everything that you do. You know, we might as well be like some of the old denominational religions that don't even tell the people what the word says. They just get up there and give you a happy message or get up there and tell you about a bunch of small talk and a few jokes or the ones that play rock music all the time that's barely anointed. You've got to put some word. You've got to put word in your worship. You've got to put, you just can't mention Jesus by name and not, deliver his word to people while they worship amen if you read the psalms those things were put to music most every psalm there it says from the chief musician or to the chief musician in other words if they were writing poetry that exalted god they handed it to somebody who was able to to music so that they could make it a worship to the lord amen he says make a joyful noise uh, worship him on the instruments etc etc he expects us to um, sing to him he expects us to add some music to him not to the crowd to keep them hyped up and pepped up so they can jump up and down amen the whole time but they could get solemn before God they could pour out their hearts to God they could offer up that praise to the Lord not all noise in a church is praise offered up to God. You've got to know the difference. So God is changing the way he responds to our foundational building blocks. In other words, God is not accepting every kind of offering because we know better. We know. And if we don't know, we ought to know. He is offering, he is changing 
the way he responds to us. If we're built on the foundation, the right foundation, that's putting God first, then he will acknowledge people who put him first. He's not acknowledging a lot of these childish things that we should have put away a long time ago. In other words, if you were wearing cut out jeans and t-shirts with holes in them when you got saved 40 years ago, God's giving you a promotion on your job. He's giving you decent money. Why don't you dress like you're somebody and come to the house of the Lord and respect him and honor him? Amen. I think dressing for, for dressing the part when you come into God's house is totally appropriate. Amen. And show some respect. God, I got this. You've improved me. I've improved on who I am. It even shows on the outside. Sometimes the outside doesn't change because the inside doesn't change much. And so we have to really, really understand what God expects from us as his people. If people see you dressed up on Sunday, they can assume you're going to church and not to Panera. (laughs) And not to Starbucks. Amen? Amen. I mean, if you don't look any different than when you go to those other places, where's your witness? I mean, think about things like that. Uh, if God says you're my witnesses, you need to talk to him sometimes. God, what do I do? How do I testify? What do, how do I, uh, array myself? What do I look like? How do I, how do I dress for success in God? What do I do? And so when we understand who we are and we understand what we're doing, we'll be more appealing to God. We'll get better from him. One of the reasons God is shifting his his requirement from people is because it's harvest time. And during the time of harvest, there is always a separation of the wheat, and that is the pure crop of God from the tares. And the tares are the things that look like Christians but aren't really on the inside, and God knows the difference. You know, the parable about the wheat and the tares, the the Bible says a man planted a crop and, and, and overnight, he says, he looked and there were tares sown in the field. He said the enemy did this. And the, the farmer said, let them all grow up together because the, the husbandman said, well, should we pluck them out now? He said, no, because their roots are intertwined. He said, but I'll fix that. He said at harvest time, in other words, a stronger plant will outgrow the weed if you just let them stay there and the the stronger one will choke the weed off and the weed will die anyway from lack of nourishment. So the the husband said, no, let them grow up together. He said, and at harvest time, I'll separate them out. So in other words, he gives the religious, the superficial, the fakers, the backsliders, and the crazy people time to repent. If they don't repent, they get cast aside, and he said those the tears will be burned in the fire that cannot be quenched. So you don't want them to go to everlasting doom, but you got to save yourself. you got to understand what God's doing and when, and you got to make sure you stay faithful to God. Remember the ten virgins? Five wise and five foolish? The wise ones were wise enough not to hang back and try to help somebody that didn't care enough about God to give, to go to church, to study the word, pray in tongues, whatever was required, they didn't do it. Now all of a sudden they want to do everything right and catch up and get in on the party with everybody else. Well, you ain't invited to the party. 
Amen. Go because it takes oil. So go find some, just like I got mine. Don't hang back and want to help everybody all the time. That can be a fool's errand. And so you ought to understand when God's judging, when he's separating out, he wants what's pure. He wants what he planted. He wants the ones that take good care of their spiritual health. The ones that instead of in the gym all the time, get in the spiritual gym. Amen. The judgments of God is, is, is what that means. And so when he comes through to judge the earth, he does not judge the righteous with the unrighteous. He pulls the righteous aside and preserves them. Amen. But there is no preservation for the unrighteous. Go to uh, Isaiah 26, and I'll show that to you. Rachel, can you go grab my phone off the desk real quick? I want to look at another translation because I think I want to do the Living Living Bible translation on this one. Isaiah 26. I'll read the King James first, though. Verse 1, in that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye gates that the righteous nation, thank you, which keepeth the truth may enter in. Now this is a separation, folks, because gates represent the fact that not everybody is invited in. So they are telling the gates to open up for whom? For the righteous nation, which keeps the truth. In other words, it's those people who uh, continue to go to church when everybody is making fun of them. They continue to serve God and give to God when everybody else is, is spending their money on every little thing that they think is important and not on the things of God. It's for faithful people, the ones who have suffered persecution, been made fun of, all that kind of stuff. You know, people say, you go to church on Saturday? I wouldn't be doing it. I know you won't. So get out of my way because I'm going. Don't stop nobody from doing something because you wouldn't do it. Seriously? So, okay. Verse, okay, this is the living Bible. Listen to them singing. In that day, the whole land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of his salvation. Open the gates to everyone, for all may enter in who love the Lord. He will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. Not just when you need something, but your thoughts turn often to the Lord. Trust in the Lord God always, for in the Lord Jehovah is your everlasting strength. He humbles the proud and brings the haughty city to the dust. Its walls come crashing down. He presents it to the poor and needy for their use. In other words, God is going to take from these people who have been stealing from everybody. All of these crooked politicians who take your tax money and do what they want to do with it. And he's going to take that and give it to people who are deserving. The people who are, you know, you're going to see people, I believe you're going to see these homeless people finally realize that they can have a home somewhere 
and they don't have to live on the streets. Because the enemy has reduced them to feeling like nothing. And then the politicians will bring people, foreigners across the border, who make no contribution whatsoever. And these people have served in the military in this nation. These people once had families and good jobs and just fallen upon hard times. Some of them are drug addicts. You don't know why. But they need help. They don't need people to come and trample over them and take their allotted portion. Well, God's going to put a stop to that. Amen. He's going to see to it that that kind of stuff ceases and that it ceases forever. So when God's judgment comes and he gets tired of people being misused, he knows how to move. He presents it to the poor and needy for their use. But for good men, the path is not uphill and rough. In other words, if you're faithful to God, you don't have a difficult way anymore. God does not give them a rough and treacherous path, but smooths the road before them. Bible say he'll make the crooked places straight. He makes a way in the wilderness, makes a way where there's no way. Says, oh Lord, we love to do your will. That's the people he's talking about. You love to do God's will. You'd rather serve God than do anything else. He's talking to you. He says, oh, Lord, we love to do your will. Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. All night long I search for you. Earnestly I seek for God. For only when you come in judgment on the earth to punish it will people turn away from wickedness and do what is right. Your kindness to the wicked doesn't make them good. They keep on doing wrong. And take no notice of your majesty. And that's true. The Bible also said the goodness of God leads men to what? Repentance. So God has shown people his goodness. But they turned away from him. So now it's time to do something else. You think God just is nice to people all, all forever? Amen. And they thumb their noses at him. Mock God. I was listening to a woman's testimony. <laughs> I just more of a wound up on Facebook. I said, oh, Lord, she rough. But <laughs> she was saying that, she said, I was raised, my parents raised me to honor God. And she said, I was a Democrat until I saw them mock God in the, the convention." And she said, I decided, uh-uh, that's too far. She said, they had done a lot of things, and I said, it's too far. She said, but when I saw how they made fun of God, she said, uh-uh, that's too far. She said, so I left them people behind. You understand? I don't care who it is. I don't care if you have to do it through your politics, through your friends, through your coworkers, family members, acquaintances. you got to know when people have gone too far, and you got to leave them alone. You understand? How can two walk together except they be agreed? We're trying to win people over to Christ. There are plenty of people out here who want to know the Lord. Trust me, you're not hard up for friends that you would make company with a backslider. Get real. Go make you some new converts. Go, You'll see some people who are called to preach. They say, I lined up all my dolls and baptized them all. Huh? If you got to go line your old dolls up and preach to them and baptize them, then get you some new friends. Amen. Get you some new friends. There needs to be a line in the life of every Christian that you don't let people cross and still have fellowship with them. You got me? There must be a line that you don't let people cross and still support them. 
They'll say, oh, I'll support them for that. I support them for No, you don't support them at all. You support God first. If you're friends with God, how dare you be friends with a murderer? He says, Lord, grant us peace for all we have and are has come from you. All you have and all you owe are is come from God. Oh, Lord, our God, once we worshiped other gods, but now we worship you alone. Not you and friends, not you and people you like, not you and, well, I'm witnessing to them. No, you're not witnessing to anybody. You leave people alone and let God. This is not the time to stay to ride the middle of the road. It's the time to decide once and for all where you stand and get over on the right territory. God's mercy toward his people always spares those who return to him. Amen. So people can return to God, but they've got to return. You can't carry them over the line. It has to be their decision to return to God. And it's very true in this day that we're living in. Many of God's leaders who have not been true to him are feeling the pinch, amen, of God plucking them up from the roots of their worldly soil that they have planted themselves in. Some of them are worldly and don't know it because it's so subtle, amen. You can preach one sermon too long on money and find yourself in trouble with God. You understand? It ain't always time to tell people they're going to prosper because they're not. Sometimes they need to start getting their hearts right before God. Put him first. Start to worship him. Give God some glory. And then wait for your your blessing to come in. What happened to that sowing and reaping stuff? God is desirous of saving all, but he will not strive with people forever. He is not going to continue to tell people to turn around and repent and I love you and come back. He's not going to do that forever. There comes a time when it's it's crazy. Amen. When we trust in him, we let go of what we have trusted in before. Whether it's man, money, title, position. And we allow ourselves to obey until our deliverance comes. Amen. Your deliverance will come as you continue to obey God. Just don't let go of what you know God will honor in your life. It will come if we trust in him and ride out the valleys and the difficult times. You just have to trust God through difficult times. Anybody can trust God when the going's good, when the going's easy. But when it's a little challenging, amen, and many times we're wanting things that aren't even promised to us. Huh? You mad at God because he didn't give you something he never told you he's going to give it to you. Amen. (laughs) It's just true. Amen. Some people just want to be disappointed. Amen. Amen. So Hebrews 6, I think that'll be our last one. Hebrews 6. It's better to trust in God, y'all. No matter where he takes you, trust in him. Some people are trusting in their jobs, you know. You at first, when you were young and hungry for God, you wouldn't take a job that made you work on Saturdays. This is true. Now people working all day. Well, you know, that my job. Uh, like you so special. I got a job too. I'm on mine. <laughs> Amen. 
We could all find something stupid to do on Saturday. Ooh, ouch. Well, we'll just keep it moving. Amen. I mean, you you know, you gotta you when you draw a line, don't move it. Amen. Don't don't erase your line and move it closer. Just keep your line there. If you really mean it, God'll stand up for you. And see, that's when you start seeing a miracle, when it's gonna cost you something to serve God. That's when you see his miracle working power. You stay over there where you think it's safe and, and let your line keep moving and, and you know, you wish you hadn't. That's all I can tell you. God'll help you. He'll he won't abandon you. But you'll learn some wisdom too. Learn wisdom. Amen. So in Hebrews six Verse 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel conferred it by an oath. In other words, God's word is always already confirmed in his blood. Amen. That's why sometimes you can just read the word of God, pick it up and believe it. And you don't need any confirmation or somebody give you a prophecy or something like that. It's already confirmed with an oath. Amen. You want to get it established though. So there is an establishing of the word that comes in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So many times what, what happens is God will speak something to you when you're reading the word in your, the, the privacy of your little home, in your house, and God will speak something to you and then you'll come in for the weekly sermon and then it's repeated again. Amen. So that word gets established in your heart. God wants it so immovable. That you know that you know that you know that God has told you something and he's not going to waver on what he told you. So it gets more solid for you to stand on. Once it gets solidified and, and gets entrenched in you, then you're able to walk that word out and get the benefit of obedience to that word. It's just that simple. So you don't you don't want want to to feel that once you you receive a promise from God in his word that he's not going to do it for you. Let that word get strengthened on the inside of you. You know, just keep Keep at it. Keep adding to it. Keep hammering it in. Keep saying, God, uh, encourage me in that. Build me up in that, Lord. I need to believe that this is you and this is you for real because I want to see this come to pass. And I don't want to be wavering in it. I don't want to be weak in it. I want to be strong in it, Lord. Let me let me step out and start doing those things that strengthen that word, strengthen my faith and my confidence that you will bring it to pass for me. And that's really what the life of faith is all about. You're looking for evidence that that word is going to happen for you. You're not looking for loopholes and trouble and all that kind of stuff. You know, the devil will send enough of that on his own. But if God promises you something, you want to be that, that to be so solid on the inside of you that it's immovable and unshakable. And when the devil comes and says you can't have it, you say, seriously, devil? You should have done that a few years ago before I got it on the inside. It's in me now. I, it's not coming out. Amen. So you messed up when you let me get it, get it on the inside of me. Amen. It's in there already. So I don't have to worry about God not doing it. I know one thing. You never promised me nothing. So what am I going to listen to you for? So God seals his promise in his blood to immutable things which makes it impossible for God to lie. So God really hemmed himself in. He overpromised himself. 
because he gave you his word and he sealed it in his blood. So that wedged him in and hemmed him in. So he can't change his mind. He can't, he can't unsay what he said. The only thing God can do is amend and strengthen what he's already told you. In other words, if, if you ask God for a home and you say, God, uh, I asked you for, you say, three bedroom, two bath, that's what most people you know, it's an average home anymore. I ask you for three bedrooms and two bathrooms, and this doesn't look like what you promised me. Huh? So if, if, if it gets challenged like that, you start looking and looking and looking, and it looks like it's not there. Keep looking, and you'll find what God does is he adds to what you ask for just because the enemy tried to talk you out of it. Now that happens to me. I don't know if it happens to anybody else, but I watch stuff like that, honey. I watch my stuff. I watch it for my sake and I watch it for your sake. Because when it happens to you, I've got to have God's answer for you too. You understand what I'm saying? And so I watch those things. And I found out that God signs everything that he gives us with his signature. What's his signature? Exceeding and abundantly beyond all you ask or think. So what he's telling you, he says, no, that wasn't what I promised you. But because the devil tried to work your nerve over it, I'm going to put my name to it this time. Because, see, he tried to forge my name to something that he put in your eyesight. And I'm going to fix him. I'm going to sign my name to it this time. So you keep, you just hang back. Okay, God, that wasn't for me. I'm sorry. I got excited. I got disappointed. I thought I got tired of waiting. I got just, you come clean before God. And he'll take back that time, that energy, that effort. He will restore everything that that deception tried to cost you. And then he will put his signature on the goods when they do come. And you'll find, oh, I thought I was going to have to get appliances, but it's brand new appliances too. Well, I thought it was only, I only asked for two car garages, got three, amen, and a, a detached garage on top of it besides the attached one to the house. He's got, see, he's going to say, this is me. That's a G-O-D, period. This is my work, amen. And so he will do. And he will sign that because, amen, he's put an oath in his blood and he will let you know when his stuff comes through for you, you're going to know it because it's going to blow your little cotton pick in mind what he does for little old you. And you still can't figure out how you got it. Amen. But it's God. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord. Miss Donna, you, you want me to pray for this person? All right, well, Lord, we pray for Frank. Uh, we curse this aneurysm in his chest. We thank you, Lord, to heal Frank. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. If anybody else needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise God.